This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Well, we got a theme this morning, this Monday morning, March 27th. Lying liars and the lies they tell. Man, we got a lot of liars in the news today. Of course, we begin with the uh, liar in chief. There's no bigger liar than Joe Biden. We got Donald Trump lying about Ron DeSantis and the uh, crowd not exactly uh, loving it in uh, Waco Saturday night. That was interesting. <clears throat> we got one of the biggest liars in Congress. Uh, she's running again, Liz Warren is running again. She'll be 76 when she gets reelected. She'll be 82 at the end of her next term. Just another insecure, egotistical old lady who just can't walk away with dignity. Can anybody walk away anymore? Can anybody just retire? We have NPR and many others lying about uh, Leah Thomas and trans athletes. And we got, of course, the media in Boston lying about a uh, racial slur <laughs> that uh, got uh, my old producer in hot water, but it, uh, and I don't, I don't care about him or his radio station, but why do we do this? Why do we pretend people like cowering under their, under their beds? Cause they heard a word, a word and they'd never heard before, but they decided suddenly it was uh, painful and hurtful and they're all upset. It's just such, it's such theater. They're all such liars. We'll get to all of them. We're going to get to all these liars today. But you know what? We talk a lot about Joe Biden's lies. God knows there's nobody in his class, nobody in my lifetime have I ever seen lie with such impunity. And we've gone over many of them. Uh, as I've said many times, nobody repeats a lie like Biden. Nobody repeats things that have been debunked, that he worked, you know, fought for civil rights, that he went to visit Nelson Mandela, that he drove an 18-wheeler, that he finished in, at the top of his class, that he, that he fought corn pop, that his father saw two guys kissing and said, they just love each other, Joey. And that's when Joey, when he was in high school, decided he was in favor of gay marriage. Of course, the next three or four decades, he was vehemently opposed to it, but he had that epiphany when he was 17 years old, perhaps the most laughable lies ever told, but I'm not sure that we can hold Biden responsible for this. It was tweeted out, which means he had nothing to do with it. He has a team of, uh, you know, communications people, young women from, you know, from, from Wesleyan or Oberman or Oberlin or Stanford who uh, do his tweeting, do his social media. Uh, obviously, he has nothing to do with it, but they did. I mean, his his name is on it. It's 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 pretty comical. But this was uh, Saturday, I believe, over the weekend. Oh, it was Saturday night. Yes, it was right during the uh, Trump rally in Waco, Texas. Oh, by the way, Trump rally, we'll get to it. Why did he hold it in Waco? It was a dog whistle to all those anti-government zealots because Waco is where they uh, attacked the, uh, the branch Covidians, <laughs> the branch Davidians and killed uh, 76 people, including 25 children where the government, when Janet Reno burned a bunch of uh, religious extremists to death. We'll get to that. But during the rally, Joe Biden's Twitter people, the social media people decide to post a tweet about uh, the border, as we know, Joe Biden has intentionally opened the southern border. We've been overrun for two years. If you uh, if you watch the right news channels, if you're watching uh, Newsmax, you get to see it. 
You get to see the people just pouring in. You get to see the absolute lawlessness at the southern border. You see the hearings where Border Patrol agents admit they don't have control over the border, that the, that the cartels control our border. We know it's a, a, a disastrous, chaotic situation, all by design. They want to uh, let in as many potential Democrat voters as possible, and they are sure doing it. It is also the policy of the far left, and Joe Biden is a, uh, a servant to the squad. So they want the border open. They want everyone from around the globe just pouring in, and they got it. It's, it's almost like at some point they just have to admit it. We want unlimited, unfettered immigration. But somehow his social media team decided on Saturday night to tweet this out. MAGA House Republican proposals would slash funding for border security, a move that could allow nearly 900 pounds of fentanyl into our country. We need more resources to secure the border, border not less. What, and he's got a picture of him shaking hands with a Border Patrol agent. Now, this is the ultimate in gaslighting. This is how you know, or this is, this is coming from a man, from an administration that knows the media, the mainstream media is 100%, what should say, is 98% in the tank for him. That they know he could just, he knows he can just lie like this. Just the most brazen, bold lie. And there'll be no fact checkers. There are no fact checkers. They're fact checkers when a Republican's in the White House, uh, but not when Joe Biden's in the White House. It's like most of his other lies. He tells it knowing that no one of, of any consequence to him will call him out. He was called out by many people. We have Kevin McCarthy. You got uh, um, Ted Cruz, pretty damn strong, coming out uh, um, against this or calling this out. You have lots of people in the media calling it out. But it's uh, this is uh, Ted Cruz writes uh, yesterday, writes, this is deranged pathological dishonesty. No president in history has opened our border with such lawless abandoned 5.5 million illegal immigrants under Joe Biden. And it takes a simple, you know, Google search, even though, you know, most of the, the right-wing sites are suppressed on Google still, but you just Google it. And uh, under U.S. border agents have confirmed 1.2 million illegal immigrant gotaways uh, since Joe Biden took office, 1.2 million got away. <laughs> they call them gotaways. And the numbers are staggering. Hell, people on the terror watch list um, under Donald Trump, who crossed in, across the border, I'll go for the four years under Trump. 2603. Under Joe Biden so far, 98 and 38. Uh, he started with 15. And then 98 last year and 38 so far this year, two months in, two and a half months in, we have 38 people coming into this country who are on the terror watch list. That guy wants you to think the Republicans are the ones who don't want to secure the border. Just like when he goes in public and he does this regularly, again, knowing that the media will just ignore it or support it. But he says the Republicans want to defund the police. I mean, He's on record saying he wants to defund the police. His the, 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 his supporters, his allies in Congress, the squad, all flat out say defund the police. Some of them say it like on a daily basis. Cory Bush says it every day. Defund the police. That's what they want. That's what he wants. 
And yet he can turn around and say, uh, the Republicans want to defund the police. We are in for a campaign, which is going to begin soon. He's going to declare soon. And we're going to have a year and a half of just one lie after another from this guy. He doesn't know how to tell the truth anymore. He has just lost touch with reality because again, he doesn't, no one calls him out. Nobody cares. He, he just stands up there and they'll sit there and talk about how the border, he wants to secure the border. You know, he wants, uh, uh, he, he, the, the economy's wonderful. It's, it's great. Our programs are working. And the media sits there and cheers. Hey, 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 Joey, hey, Joey. <laughs> it's just comical. This could be the the most brazen lie he's ever told. The border isn't secure. Uh, and, you know, some people in the media, people like me, called it out. But uh, I don't think they spent a lot of time on the Sunday morning. I don't think Chuck Todd or uh, Jake Tapper spent a lot of time over the weekend calling out this brazen lie. What's the even point of even tweeting or talking when everybody knows you're lying. It's almost like a, the whole thing is just play acting. Joe Biden's going to tweet something. Everyone knows it's not true. We'll pretend it is. Oh, it's just so ridiculous. This is from uh, Stephen Miller. He writes, uh, the Biden administration launched a months long investigation and punished agents who on horseback because journalists ran with a false meme that they were whipping migrants. No one, including Jen Psaki, ever apologized. That's so true. They accused, he, he, he went in front of the cameras, he went uh, in front of the media when that lie started about the agents on horseback whipping migrants and said, they will pay, they will pay. And they suspended them. They've never apologized. They didn't whip anybody. They're just, these people are, under the gun on the, on the border. They're overwhelmed because of the policies and Joe Biden doesn't give a damn. He certainly doesn't care about the people who live along the border. He doesn't care about people dying of fentanyl. This could be the first time he's even tweeted about fentanyl, which is again, a lie. Oh, the lying liars. Here's these guys, these poor agents just trying to do their jobs, protect this country seal the border. And they can't even do their jobs without their boss, the commander in chief, lying about them. There was a lot of pushback on this tweet, but it's still up there. Still up there. There it is. They're trying to do their job. They're not whipping anyone. Those are reins on the horse. They were exonerated months and months ago. Not a word from uh, Joe Biden or Jen Psaki or or Kareem Jean-Pierre apologizing to these hardworking border agents. All right, let's, uh, to be fair, fair and balanced, I want to get to Donald Trump's rally on Saturday night. I'm not sure I could take another, you know, year and a half of these. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. He, 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 he can rile up a crowd. I just looked for an estimate of the crowd size. It looks big. There was a line always. There's a line all day. I think the uh, local paper, the Waco paper estimated at 15,000 people. And they were good. They were cheering. They were having a good time. The weather was good. They did a flyover with uh Trump Force One before he landed. Uh, the Lee Greenwood song was cranking, obviously. He started the rally with the Pledge of Allegiance, not live, the recorded one, the one that's number one on the charts, the Pledge of Allegiance with the January 6th prisoners. But I was curious about how the crowd would react when he started taking shots, telling lies about Ron DeSantis. I'm telling you, this is a miscalculation on the part of Donald Trump. He th- Obviously, the crowd generally eats 
up whatever he, you know, whatever raw meat he throws them, they eat it up. When he talks about uh, whatever, the deep state, we talks about the corrupt Biden administration, the corrupt uh, DA in New York, all the Belgium. Uh, all the people who are out to get him in Atlanta, in the Department of Justice. He talks about him being persecuted, talks about a two-tier justice system. He does talk about January 6th and the political prisoners. A lot of it is red meat, and they love it. Then he gets to his most formidable opponent in uh, among in either party, and that would be Governor Ron DeSantis. He thinks somehow the people in the crowd that love him hate DeSantis because he hates DeSantis because DeSantis wasn't loyal. I love this idea that Trump endorsed DeSantis because DeSantis was the best candidate, the best guy for the state of Florida. It's a good endorsement. It helped. Got DeSantis got elected, beat a crackhead l- loser in Andrew Gillum. Good. You, you endorsed the right guy, Donald. Good for you. Lots of people did. That's good. That means DeSantis is never supposed to challenge you, even if he thinks he'd be a great president, even if he thinks he's uh, 30, he knows he's 32 years younger than you, brings many of the same policies, even if he thinks he would like to try his hand and run for president, he's not supposed to, because once upon a time you endorsed him. I mean, the ego, and I know uh, I know he's got a big ego, but the ego involved there, that I made him governor. That's what he says, flat out, I made him governor. No, lots of people made him governor and lots of people love him as governor and they see what he's done. He's turned this purple state bright red. He's battled school boards. He's battled uh, uh, Soros backed DAs. He's took on, he's taken on Disney. He's done a marvelous job by any measure, except in Trump's mind. In Trump's mind, DeSantis is uh, disloyal and he's just happens to be the governor of a nice sunny state that people love that anybody could do that job. Oh, really? Charlie Chris was a good governor, according to Donald Trump. You think Charlie Chris would have fired the Soros-backed uh, DA? Do you think Charlie Chris would have taken on Disney, would have taken on uh, the teachers' unions, the school boards? You think he had done any of the things DeSantis has done there to become such a popular guy, popular figure in that state? Here's the miscalculation. They're cheering for all the shots he takes at Biden and the media, the fake news up there. He always points. It was, it was good. He did, he did a good job. Then he starts going after DeSantis. There's no cheering or very little cheering. The people who are attacking DeSantis, his surrogates, his son, Donald Jr., the other uh, Twitter or social media influencers, people who work for him. We went over this the other day. Jason Miller, these other people who are, uh, you know, Kimberly Guilfoyle, his son's girlfriend. These, they're attacking DeSantis. They don't even mean it. Their heart's not in it. They like DeSantis. They just have to pretend to placate the boss that they hate DeSantis, that he's disloyal, that he's somehow uh, sanctimonious, which I don't even get. But we got a brief snippet here. I was watching this live because I was curious. This is all I wanted to hear is when he went at DeSantis, went at the state of Florida, how would this crowd in Waco, Texas respond? But let's listen to a little bit of it. And you tell me that he's not misreading his people, his crowd, they love you, Donald, but they don't hate Ron DeSantis. Go ahead. Long before this guy became governor, Florida was tremendously successful under Rick Scott. He was, look, whether you like him or not, Charlie Crist, it was very successful. He was a Republican at the time. 
But Florida has been successful for decades. In fact, probably as or more successful than it is now. But when a man, you know, you get him elected and there's no quid pro quo. Get rid of that word. Remember those words? Quid pro quo with the perfect call I made with the Ukrainian president. But when you're getting a guy so he gets the nomination because of you, he wins the election because of you. Two years later, the fake news is up there saying, will you run against the president? Will you run? And he says, I have no comment. I say, that's not supposed to happen. I have no comment. No. Dead silence. And not, a, not a cheer. I mean, people are like, what? He, he has become obsessed with DeSantis and his disloyalty. And you know why? Because he sees the polls. There are places, New Hampshire, Iowa, where either DeSantis has beaten him or it's very close. He knows that this guy stands in his way and he thinks he's entitled to re- to at least the nomination. And he knows anybody. He knows that, uh, you know, anybody could beat Biden at this point. And two years from now, when Biden is further regresses and the dementia is getting worse and, and Kamala is still his running mate and the economy is still disastrous and we're at war in Ukraine and the border's open, he knows it's those two. It's a two-man race. And he just can't stand the thought of running fair and square. Let's campaign against him. Tell me why you're the better man. Why, you know, why you would be a better president than Ron DeSantis. I can't sit here after two years of talking about how our, our president is just a doddering old fool. And I want, I want to get younger. If, you know, if this is like a professional sports team, I'd be saying we need to get younger. You get all the pluses, all the benefits of, of Trump, and a guy who's 44 years old and has none of the baggage. That's the argument for DeSantis. If you want Trump just because Trump has been persecuted because they've treated him unfairly, because they've lied about him, I understand. I understand the motivation, retribution, revenge. And I, I certainly don't blame him. They screwed him in many, many ways, beginning before he was even inaugurated with the phony Russia hoax which was, by the way, Joe Biden was one of the architects of that. He's the guy who decided to go at against, uh, make up uh, phony charges against Michael Flynn and start the whole ball rolling before Trump even took office. I understand the motivation and it's a good, it's, it's real. And believe me, if he's the nominee, I will be supporting him. I'll be supporting anybody against the, uh, against the Joe Biden administration. But the, the people there, they, they're all for, let's campaign, let's have a debate, let's say for both guys. They don't hate Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump. You don't seem to understand that. They hate, you know, Joe Biden. You know, they hate, they hate, uh, you know, all the guys that you're trying to link to, to um, uh, DeSantis, Paul Ryan and Jeb Bush. These, I mean, as soon as he says stuff like Paul Ryan's supporting running, people immediately start tweeting retweeting Trump's tweets from a few years ago when he loved Paul Ryan. He endorsed Paul Ryan. Hell, he endorsed Mitt Romney. He's made some mistakes with personnel. And I don't think you can, you're going to tie Paul Ryan around Ron DeSantis' neck uh, just because he served in Congress with him. Uh, And, and people want to hear, I want a campaign. I want to fight. I want to debate. I want the best man to win. I want to see these guys go toe to toe, toe to toe. 
You know who doesn't want to see that Donald Trump? He does not. He knows DeSantis is smart and disciplined. He knows he's going to be a tough debater. He's going to be tough on the campaign trail, and he dreads it. He wants everyone to step out of his way and uh, just let him have the nomination. And that's not the way it works. That's not the way it should work. He doesn't care about Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo or or even Mike Pence. He knows he would will trounce them in debates, in campaigns. He cares about uh, about uh, Ron DeSantis. And it's just, it's ugly, man. It's ugly. But uh, I love this part too. And I, I, I Googled this because I, I heard it from a couple of people on Twitter. And it is, the media was all saying it's a dog whistle that he held a rally in Waco, Texas. It's a dog whistle because, uh, you know, Waco was the site of the, uh, the attack, the, the government, uh, the federal government, Janet Reno went in, as we all know, into the uh, Koresh, David Koresh compound, killed 75, uh, 76 people, I believe, including 25 children, burned them alive. Um, this is from, oh, USA Today quotes, a deputy director for data analytics at, analytics at the Southern Poverty Law Center, <laughs> a extremist left-wing group who's one of whose lawyer was is charged with domestic terrorism for uh, firebombing the police training site in Atlanta. They have a uh, deputy director of the Southern Poverty Law Center say, quote, give me a break. There's no reason to go to Waco other than one thing. I can't even fathom what that's about other than just a complete dog whistle. Actually, forget dog whistle. That is just a train whistle to the folks who still remember that event and are still mad about it. Well, A, so what if they do, if they still, you should still remember 75, 76 people dying at the hands of your government and you should still be upset about it. But so he's never supposed to go to Waco, even though people love him there and support him because of what happened 30 years ago. It's amazing. They just look for things to, uh, to bitch about with Donald Trump, who, by the way, the, uh, could get indicted today in New York. And the more I hear, the more I read about this, I'm telling you. Trump is praying for this. He is hoping for this. And I'll tell you why. Nobody thinks Alvin Bragg has a case. Everybody thinks it's political. I mean, Democrats, one after another. This weekend, Andrew Cuomo was on the radio in New York talking about how this is political, this is stupid. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, who's you know sort of a Trump supporter, he's got a book out called Get Trump. Uh, lots of Democrats, Barney Frank, I was watching this morning, thinks this is uh, an overreach. But here's why it's good for Trump. Here's why Trump is rooting, hoping that Alvin Bragg indicts him, because he knows they have a weak case. He knows his witnesses are terrible, Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels. Oh, by the way, at the speech in Waco, another reference to, store, uh, to horse face. He said, horse face is not my kind. Um, I mean, I understand. He wants to be funny and glib. But can you imagine, like, if there were suburban women, and he lost suburban women big, but if there's, say, a few on the fence because they'd see what a disaster Biden is, you think they find it funny when he talks about his old girlfriend and calls her horse face? <laughs> Just so childish. Uh, but if he gets indicted, if they go through with the prosecution in New York and it fails, it just then when they go to Atlanta and he's facing charges in Atlanta, then when they go to the grand uh, to the special counselor, uh, Jack Smith for the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid and the, and the 
documents that are classified, everything seems weaker. It dilutes the, the, the effect of every prosecution because it just feels like one unfair attack after another. It's, it, it's going to fail and it's going to help him and it's going to give him a boost in the polls. It's going to give him a boost with his core supporters because they feel like they will never let up on this guy. And that's his message. His campaign message is they're out to get me. They're out to stop me. They're afraid of me. And this just plays into it. Alvin Bragg is, is, is making a big contribution to the Trump 2024 campaign if he indeed indicts him. I know Bragg wants the mugshot, but you know who else really, really wants the mugshot? Donald J. Trump. He wants that as a, I mean, that's like a campaign poster. These people, the only way to stop them is vote for me. That's the message he's going to hammer home for the next year and a half. And you know what? He's got a case. He's got a case. This is purely political. Bragg would not be doing it if Trump weren't running. They're trying to stop him from returning to the White House. We saw what they did last time, last two times he ran. They'll stop at nothing. They're out to get him. And uh, this proves it. And that's that's what Trump wants. That's what Trump's hoping for. Oh, by the way, before we move on, got to get to so much more on this Monday. Big announcement this morning. Liz Warren is running for re-election uh, for Senate. I don't know if this means she's out for another White House run. I think her days of aspiring to be, you know, the first woman, the first American Indian president, I think those went up in smoke, went up in uh, uh, when she finished third, I believe, in Massachusetts. Think of that. She ran for president in the Democrat primary in her uh, alleged home state. She lost to Joe Biden, a walking cadaver, and Bernie Sanders, a friggin' communist. They beat her in her home state. The idea that she could ever, she was a viable candidate, that only, uh, the only people who thought that were in the Boston Globe editorial department. No one else in the country thought she had a legit chance at the presidency. No one else likes her. She couldn't win statewide, maybe, I don't know, maybe in Vermont or California, but most of the country despises this phony liar, this fake Indian. Uh, but she'll, obviously, the Globe and everyone else will do the the whole machine in Massachusetts. will make sure she gets reelected and uh, she'll probably age gracefully and be perfectly sharp, lucid, 82-year-old at the end, end of her next term. But actually, I wish she were running because she's good in those debates because everyone hates her and she's just so annoying. I think she should run for president. Wouldn't, wouldn't matter. She'll still get reelected the Senate, but uh, congrats. The Globe was very happy this morning. The Globe, uh, they, they, they succeeded in uh, getting all that hate off sports radio, at least for a week. And their girl, Liz, is running. All right, we got much more to get to. We got to get to the big honor. ESPN is honoring its Women of the Year. And I'm so happy. They, they picked uh, a man. That's how it works now. Anytime you get an award, anytime they give awards to women, it seems like these these uh, left-wing outfits make sure, was it USA Today honored a, a man uh, for their Women of the Year in Minnesota? They picked a man. Um, Dylan Mulvaney was, was honored at the Kennedy Center and honored at the White House. Another man who pretends to be a six-year-old girl. This is, uh, this is how it works now. If you're a prominent transgender individual, the, the media will fall all over themselves to honor you. But this, even by ESPN standards, this is pretty ridiculous. And we have a man, I'm sorry, we have a woman 
who was very upset because the TSA, when she was going through, uh, when she was going through uh, the line at TSA at the airport, one of the TSA agents uh, punched her in the testicles. <laughs> and this, I mean, you can't do that. You got to have respect for women. You can't punch them in the testicles. We'll get to that and lots more. But first, Joe Biden's America is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation is pushing hardworking families to the brink. Hell, just look at the price of eggs. Look at the price of anything. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is you need a plan. You know it. I know it. And that's why I'm partnered with a great company, Gold Co., so you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last, and if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call 855-735-3740 today. That's 855-735-3740. All right, congrats, congrats to Leah Thomas. Honest to God, I feel like the, the most people are going one direction and the mainstream media is going the other direction. They're digging their heels in, pretending men are women, women are men, and they're going to carry out this absolute absurd charade that, that uh, Leah Thomas is a woman. Leah Thomas, as we know, swam, swum for the Penn men's team for three years was a very mediocre or subpar men's, men's swimmer, was ranked like 500-something in the country, uh, decided he was sick of losing, sick of getting his ass beat in the pool, said, I want to win, I want trophies, I want awards, I, wanna, I want honors. So showed up the next year and said, I'm a girl. Grew his hair long. That's about it. Grew his hair long, put on the girl's bathing suit, and kicked ass as we uh, chronicled for, for months Won NCAA titles, just beat beat the the crap out of the girls in the pool. Leah Thomas is an a-hole, is a bully, is a really rotten guy who walked around the girls' locker room naked uh, with all his man parts in full display because he liked to make the girls uncomfortable. He knew there was nothing they could do about it. When they complained, what did Penn do? They sent the girls who were complaining, you know, 18, 19-year-old girls who were being forced to change next to a naked man. They sent them to therapy, said, you need therapy. And they made them sit down with an LBGTQ activist so they could learn more about uh, their teammate, Leah. The media obviously played along with this. The media loves nothing more than men dominating women in women's sports or in women's competitions. They love when men get honored with awards. They love when Rachel Levine, an absolutely incompetent local official in Philadelphia gets promoted to the big job, gets made a make pretend admiral. They get to pretend it's the first female admiral when it's actually a man who just transitioned a few years ago after growing, after raising his family, raising his children decided a couple of years ago to transition and lo, lo and behold, gets promoted. It's uh, a big job with the Biden administration. Uh, we know that's what they do. They get, they, they get special treatment, special preference. These are the least marginalized people, the most privileged people in society now. 
uh, the whole idea that Leah Thomas was a woman and a legit female uh, athlete is just friggin' comical. Uh, but it's, um, again, coming to the forefront every day. This, this, uh, there was a cyclist last week uh, in New York, a man that won his 16th women's title in bicycling, cycling. 16th. He's beaten the, and he's 46 years old. And most of the women are in their twenties and he's kicking their ass because he's a man. That's how it works. Uh, but this was a hilarious one over the weekend. They're, they're doing their best. You know, the media is doing their best to protect uh, bullies like Leah and other guys that cyclists or other guys who are playing women's sports, running track and beating their women's asses. The media somehow, they hate women. You know, they don't, they like the fact that men are beating up on women and they are supporting this and celebrating this. This is from uh, the daily caller. It says national public radio issued a correction to its Friday tweet claiming there is quote limited scientific evidence uh, that men have athletic advantages over women. Correction. They tweeted an earlier tweet incorrectly stated. There's limited scientific evidence of physical advantage. Existing research shows that higher levels of testosterone do impact athletic performance, but there's limited research involving elite trans athletes in competition. I mean, they tweeted this originally said there was limited, limited scientific evidence of physical advantage. And immediately got, you know, ratioed. Everybody's sending out pictures that you just posted here of Leah. Leah's six foot three inch. She's long. He's, he's, he's strong. He's a man. He has a physical advantage. If we can't agree on that, man, what is the point of even having this debate, this discussion? It's one thing to be so tolerant that you let Leah swim and you let Leah, whatever, have his fun. That's all it's about is one person's happiness. Leah says it. He says, it's about my happiness. His happiness comes at the expense of women who've trained their whole lives, who put in countless hours in the pool. They lose, he wins. And as long as he's happy, the media is happy. As long as he's happy, Democrats are happy. That's what it's about. It's, it's uh, indulging the, the, the desires, the fetishes of one person over the collective, over the group. And the fact that it's completely unfair, the completely rigged, the media does not care. So they celebrated Women's History Month. And one of the honorees was, you guessed it, Leah Thomas, this bully, this punk who got off on walking around naked. And he's had no surgeries walking around naked. By all accounts, he's uh, pretty impressive, you know. Walking around naked in front of 18, 19 year old college girls. That was his thing. He loved to make them uncomfortable in the pool and out. He did it. And for that, ESPN honored him. I know this sounds not great, but listen to this garbage from the most woke network. This is ESPN's more woke than MSNBC. I think we can all agree now. But listen, listen to what they had to say again about this bully and, and dominating the girls in the pool. Go ahead. Swimmer Leah Thomas became the first transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I championship by winning the 500 freestyle. The Texas native competed for three seasons on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania. She began her transition after her sophomore season and after a gap year due to the pandemic that forced the Ivy League to cancel all sports. 
Thomas made her debut as a member of the women's team in December 2021. Being trans is, is not a choice. I didn't have any other choice because not transitioning was not leading me anywhere. She competed amidst criticism from the swimming community, competitors, and teammates. She said she hopes her persistence serves a larger purpose. People will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy. You know, that, that is so annoying to me. That I, first of all, he says, I didn't have a choice. Really? You didn't have a choice to grow your hair and put on women's clothes? It just happened one day you woke up and you were wearing a sundress. Crazy. <laughs> Secondly, I, I transitioned to be happy. That's fine. No one has a problem. Go ahead, transition, knock yourself out, put on all the hair, makeup, clothes, whatever. You don't get to steal the glory of girls, of women. You don't get to take, you don't get to make them irrelevant as you uh, pursue your happiness and desires. Uh, I mean, he's just such a detestable person. And uh, it, it, everybody knows it. Some people are honest about it. Some, some are not. And I, I always go back to that Sports Illustrated writer whose daughter finished fourth, lost out on a chance to be on the medal stand. And this guy was covering it for Sports Illustrated. Didn't have the guts to call it out, call up the whole absurdity of it all. Just said, hey, you know, as long as she's living her authentic truth, it's just, it's just so ridiculous. But Hey, that's the world we live in now. That's an obsession with the uh, the Biden administration, with the media advancing trans rights, even if it means eliminating women. They're okay with that. Uh, sometimes you just have to laugh because uh, uh, the, the woman, the woman cyclist. I'm sorry, I, I meant uh, uh, Tiffany Thomas. That's the uh, the man who's just kicking ass in women's cycling. Forty six year old man, obviously bigger, stronger than the girls, but just keeps dominating and taking trophies, taking uh, awards and honors from the women. But the funniest story over the weekend, and I tweeted about this and it's, it's amazing. You get people that can't even, can't even laugh about this. They, they say, Oh, you, you such hate. Can't you just let this person live her true self? No, I must laugh at this person. Uh, this is from the daily mail. A transgender woman has called for the dismantling of the airport TSA screenings after she claimed an agent punched her in the testicles <laughs> and yelled at me for, quote, having a penis. You know, those I, I've been uh, felt up by uh, TSA agents in the past. They can be pretty rough. And everyone knows, especially this, this lady here, it hurts when they punch you in the testicles. The flyer posted a since-deleted selfie showing her sobbing in a bathroom stall following the episode, complaining that her, quote, her balls hurt so bad. <laughs> and I got pictures of her. The, the, the video is gone, but she quotes, she says, I don't want the T agent, TSA agent that hurt me fired. I want her educated in the entirety of TSA abolished altogether. So the agent who punched her in the balls was a female. She, uh, after being humiliated at the airport, she claimed the female agent then followed her into the women's bathroom and discussed the interaction with a coworker while she wept behind a stall. She shouldn't have been in there, by the way. You know, you have testicles. You shouldn't be in the girl's room. But uh, And it, it went viral. And she, she tweeted out, said uh, her name is, what's her name, Mara? Uh, uh, I guess it's just using her first name, Mara. 
uh, or his whatever. Uh, Mara said, uh, I haven't stopped crying since an hour ago. My balls still hurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> took down, took down the, uh, the video of her weeping. Got a big nose ring, of course. Uh, her name, I'm sorry, is Ro- Rosalind Montoya, but her uh, Twitter handle is Mara for some reason. M-A-R-A. Uh, Massive Clay. That's her uh, Twitter name. At Massive Clay. <laughs> there she is. He is crying because the TSA agent punched her in the balls. I got to admit, they get a little handsy in those lines sometimes. I oh, find yeah. that unnecessary. But wouldn't it be like surprising if you're the THA, TSA agent, you're a woman, you, you're supposed to search women, men search men. I, I know that's hate and discrimination, but uh, wouldn't it be a little freaky though, if you didn't know and you, Oh, you just, you know, there it was. Now the, fe- the female TSA agent who thinks he's uh, she's checking a, a woman finds what she finds. Is that sexual assault the other way? Uh, I don't know, but it's uh, a little alarming. I'd be disturbed. I, I don't, I'm not saying you should punch her in the balls, but wouldn't you be a little stunned? You'd be like, holy crap. But, <laughs> I mean, they must see that. I, I mean, it's not like there's, there's a million people like this woman, this man, but they're, they're out there. You must be on the lookout for them. I don't know who's, who's supposed to do the search when it's a trans woman. That's confusing. That, that If you're TSA, not sure. Do you have to have a special trans it's like when they say we need to build bathrooms for trans people. No, we don't. They need to go in the proper bathroom, the bathroom, the bathroom that matches their uh, their sex assigned at birth, and that's it. If they want to go in a stall, fine, go in a stall, but you don't build bathrooms. Just like you don't have special sports just for transgender athletes in high school. So there'll be like three people competing in the whole state. But we need to accommodate these people because uh, you know it's just not fair. It's just, we've lost our minds. Someday our, this country is going to look back at, uh, you know, Rachel Levine and Leah Thomas and, and Sam Brinton and just say, what the hell were these people thinking? Just utter madness. But uh, congratulations to Leah. Another award, by the way, the University of Pennsylvania nominated Leah for women of the year in the NCAA. So the school, the one that sent the other kids, the other girls to counseling, because they didn't want to dress next to a well-endowed man, that school made sure to honor. Uh, and this is the this is the most courageous athlete in America today, Riley Gaines, the swimmer from Kentucky, who never stops pointing out the truth about Leah Thomas. She tweeted after ESPN honored her, honored him as Women of the Year, one of the Women of the Year. Riley Gaines tweets out, "Leah Thomas is not a brave, courageous woman." who earned a national title. He is an arrogant cheat who stole a national title from a hardworking, deserving woman. The NCAA is responsible. If, if I was a woman working at ESPN, I would walk out. You are spineless. And she tags ESPN and says, boycott ESPN. That would be, be okay with me. But this woman has guts. She's, she never stops denouncing this, this travesty and pointing out that right, that, uh, Leah Thomas is not a courageous woman. How absurd. How silly is that? A courageous woman. A guy who was on the men's team a year ago is kicking the women's asses and we're honoring her as a courageous woman because she has long, because he has long hair now. All right. Uh, it's never going to end. I'm never going to end. But all right. Let's do Shay. I want to go back. I want to do the, uh, the big controversy in Boston because 
as I expected, the media is just falling in line, talking about the hate, hurtful, hateful comments by Chris Curtis. It's just so silly. It's just such theater. Nobody tells the truth. Nobody is honest. It's like you're not allowed to be honest, even in this day and age. This has been going on for decades where they just pretend that this stupid little word that most people never heard is somehow causing great pain in the Asian community. It's just so ridiculous, but uh, we'll get to the, the best example I've seen of it, a local uh, news report about the controversy, which went kind of global, man. Everybody was talking about it. Everyone was uh, writing about it. It was huge. And it's just so silly and stupid and overblown. But uh, let me do Shay and then we'll get to that. Well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down Shea Concrete. They've got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 to 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. Uh, you know the story last week. Uh, my old producer at WEEI, Chris Curtis, jokingly uh, stepped in it, you know, and uh, he, it was caught and uh, it went vir went viral. Thanks to uh, Dave Cullinane, my old producer who uh, posted it. It went viral. Uh, the stuff hit the fan. And of, of course, Curtis was forced to apologize. It was a pathetic apology. Uh, he was suspended for a week. And then the usual phonies, the outrage mob just, fell in line and pretended they were so hurt. A couple things I want to mention before we do this uh, news report, which is so absurd. Uh, we looked into this uh, Ironhead. He talked, he talked to his, his relatives, you know, who are uh, stuck in the stone age. And they said they'd heard this term nip. Um, people have done Google searches and looked into it. And uh, the, the, the most recent reference public reference or yeah, that, that we could find to, to a someone being called a nip was on McHale's Navy in 1965. <laughs> Although you found Bugs Bunny too, correct? Uh, yeah, someone actually sent it to me. I uh, believe that was from the 60s as well. So it's been over 50 years. No, that was that was from 1945. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. Well, let me double check. <laughs> so that would be 70 uh, something years. So the most recent reference is more than 50, 60, 60 years ago now, McHale's Navy and Bugs Bunny had referred to uh, Japanese people as nips. I, I mean, I guess I knew the slur, but I never heard anyone use it or say it other than maybe, maybe it was said on the Three Stooges, which again would be the, from the 40s. But there's no modern day reference or modern day uh, use of it. Just most people... I talked about people I knew, my friends, my wife, you had never heard it. They just, um, Jason Whitlock, who's like my age, 
said he'd never heard it and asked people if they heard it. So some people say, yeah, it's a very obscure reference to Japanese Americans. I can guarantee you, I have not talked to Chris Curtis in years. He wasn't using it as a racial slur. He was referring to nipples. We all know that. Everybody knows that, but they can't be honest. They just can't be honest. He couldn't even be honest in his apology. If he were being honest, he was saying the term nip made me think of nipples. So I was trying to think of a hot, hot chick. And he thought of Myla Kunis, but said Mina Kimes. Do I have that right? That's what he says. Cool. I still don't buy it. Okay. There's, there's no other explanation for two reasons. He's never heard the term nip. And if he did, why would he use it? I mean, that's suicide. Mm. That's what's so stupid. You really think he was trying to think of an Asian woman and his excuse was, I meant to say Mila Kunis. Is he in trouble if he said her? Cause she's Ukrainian. He's not in trouble, right? If he said Mila Kunis, Mila Kunis, whatever her name is. Allegedly. But she, like I said too, uh, what a poor example of nips. If you're going with that, well, that exactly. route. As I said Friday or Thursday, whenever we did that, if he said Paige Spiernak, if he said Emily Ratajkowski, or if he said some, you know. Sydney Sweeney's what, industry standard right now. What? Sydney Sweeney's the industry standard right now. Okay. Uh, you name it. If he used some other beautiful woman who is well endowed, he would have no problem because we would all know it's a reference to nips, nipples. That's what he was thinking. And there's no other explanation. He was not thinking, I need to come up with an Asian American. I'm going to use this term nip. Uh, you want to say it was sexist? It was stupid. It was sophomoric. Hell, suspend him for that if you want. I don't care. But the idea that this dummy said nip in reference to Asians, and it was hurtful for all Asians, and the local TV stations run to Harvard to find a professor or run to some organization of Asian Americans to say, just how much did this hurt your people? You know, I'll answer that for you, you idiot reporter. Zero, none, not at all. There was nobody who was hurt by it. Most people didn't even hear it. And when they did, they said, boy, that was stupid. They didn't cause them pain and everybody knows it. The whole thing is just such theater. I understand people hate EEI. You know, they hate sports radio. They hate Chris Curtis. And they want to get him. That's fine. I, I kind of enjoy that whole process because again, it's just pretend no one actually was hurt. No one actually meant it. it and, and it's laughable that the station makes him apologize, suspends him and pretends it was actually a racial reference. It was a, a racial slur, but I I'm telling you, this is what, this is how they handled these things 20, 30, 40 years ago. Nothing's changed. Watch this report and tell me why didn't this reporter listen to it uh, uh, from channel four uh, BZ in Boston and tell me why this reporter didn't ask some people, you know, on the street, ask some people, did you hear about this? What do you think? Instead, they go to some professor who obviously is going to pretend, you know, it's so hurtful to the whole community and there's no room for that. No place for that. Hate has no home here. Everyone's just going through these motions, this ridiculous uh, charade of look at me. I'm hurt by some idiot saying the word nip. It's just that no one actually believes this person is hurt. No one. I want to say uh, uh, shout out to Joe for sending it to me. I was wrong. It was not 1945, the Bugs Bunny video. It was 1944. So it was actually a year oh, okay. earlier. <laughs> so 
1944, Bugs Bunny said it. In 1965, McHale's Navy said it. That's the last time anyone's heard that slur. Suddenly it comes out of the recesses of Chris Curtis's mind. And we want to believe that he, in 2023, was talking about an Asian woman and he meant it that way. I mean, he's a dummy, but he's not that dumb. You think if you meant it, you wouldn't say it. You know it's you're on the radio. It's just so absurd that he meant to use a, a, an Asian slur for this Asian woman, knowing it's career suicide. Okay, I, I give up. Let's watch. Let's watch this re- report. Boston Sports Radio host is off the job tonight after using a racial slur to describe an Asian American ESPN reporter. WEEI's Chris Curtis says he's been suspended for a week. WBZ's Laura Haithley shows us his apology and what made his comment so hurtful. A ban on miniature liquor (laughs) bottles was proposed Monday by Boston City Councilor Ricardo Arroyo, garnering attention from neighbors and local media outlets, including the Greg Hill radio show on WEEI. The show's hosts were discussing the ban using the nickname for the airplane-sized bottles. When producer Chris Curtis appeared to refer to an Asian-American ESPN journalist, Mina Kimes, in a racist manner. It dragged her into a controversy through no fault of her own uh, regarding a slur and her race. Curtis was suspended by WEEI. I want to apologize for the stupid, lame attempt at a joke. Is it ever clever? To, to be clever, you know, to be clever at the expense of somebody's identity. Professor David Howell teaches Japanese history at Harvard. Ugh. So it's really very yeah. much a term that was used during World War II to refer to the Japanese when they were the enemy. It's a classroom or sure um, was on the air. Not that one. Um, using a term almost, you know, makes it sound like. It's okay to use the term. WBZ reached out to the chair of the Massachusetts AAPI Commission, Dr. Gary Chu. Now let's not go back to the past and perpetuate hate, especially AAPI hate, which has been on the rise, not only in the U.S., but also in Massachusetts and the city of Boston. Dr. Chu hoping for accountability from the radio host and more representation moving forward. Anytime we can denounce things like that uh, will help. We're working to see, to talk about all these issues, providing resources to elevate the messages of what is going on so that everyone understands the diversity of the Asian American popu- Asian American and Pacific Islander populations. We did reach out to ESPN who called the comments hateful and extremely offensive. We also reached out to Odyssey, the owner of WEEI. They did not immediately get back to us. In Brighton, Laura Hayfley, WBZ News. Laura Hazley, if you're you are year terrible. Over, you could be job. taking it. Sorry. I mean, your 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 job is to, to do this story. You think you'd talk to I don't know somebody on the street. You're an EI listener. I mean, that might be hard to find these days. But were you offended? Then you could tell. You talk to a Harvard professor and some activist about how hurtful it was. The idea that he actually did that is so silly. But whatever. I don't. I don't care. And, and worse yet, here's, here's why, here's where I will defend the radio station, which fired me, is they're going to get scolded by the Boston Globe. Boston Globe had a story. Uh, you imagine getting scolded by the Globe, perhaps the most unethical uh, media outlet you're ever going to find, the home of Mike Barnacle, Kevin Cullen, Patricia Smith, Callum Borges, just legendary plagiarists and liars. 
that they kept employed. They still employed Kevin Cullen, who, who claimed he was at the finish line of the marathon when the bombing went off, just lied and, and was caught lying, ironically, by Chris Curtis and Kirk Manahan over and over again. That organization, the place where they had an intern draft, you know what that is? That's when grown men have a draft and decide which interns, which 18, 19 year old girls from Northeastern, they're going to try to make the moves on that. They're going to try to have sex with. That's what happened. They had a managing editor that was sexually harassing young interns. That place is going to scold you on uh, ethics uh, and hate for saying the word nip, which no one ever hasn't heard in 60 years. This, this whole thing is so absurd, so silly, and so pretend. It's just maddening. Listen to Boston Globe that ran a f- picture from a porn movie and pretended uh, that it was actual troops in Iraq raping women. It was a scene from a porn movie. They ran that because they hated, uh, they hate the troops and they're just far left lunatics. They're going to lecture you for saying a stupid three letter word. Uh, when you were trying to talk about nipples anyway, but Hey, they deserve it. They got what they deserve. They bowed before that mob and apologized for nothing. But that, that, that report, that reporter should be ashamed of herself. That's the best you could do. Let's go to Harvard, get a professor and talk about hate from the 1940s. I mean, could someone ask, do you think he actually meant it as a racial slur? Could you ever ask that? Would you think about it? All right. We got to go. We got to wrap this up. Enough of that. We move on. Good luck to Chris Curtis. I still think he might get fired, but uh, who knows? Who knows? They need him. They desperately need him back. So anyway, thanks to everyone for listening and for commenting. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.